You're listening to the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. Learn about local issues, meet candidates, and find out what we're doing to bring more options to Georgia voters. Now here's your host, Brent Hilburn. Welcome to the next version of the Georgia Liberty Cast. Uh, with me tonight is John Turpish, Libertarian Party of Georgia Executive Committee member and District 5 candidate for the Georgia Public Service Commission. And Ryan Graham, Vice Chair of the Libertarian Party of Georgia and a District 3 candidate for the Georgia Public Service Commission. Hey, Amen. And, of course, uh, producer extraordinaire, Matt Franklin, uh, most uniquest. Uh, tonight, we're going to be uh, talking with our Georgia Public Service Commission candidates. I invited them both here at the same time. There's a lot of crossover uh, between uh, both of their positions, so I thought it would be good for uh, for the voters and, and, and a little background on what the Public Service Commission actually does. And uh, I'm going to give a little background first before we, we jump in with you guys. Um, Georgia became one of the first states to establish a regulatory agency to oversee uh, the railroad. That was in October of 1879. Since then, of course, they added the telegraph, they added uh, gas, electric. So the PSC has been an entity that has been charged with regulations and, and uh, uh, setting rates and dealing with service, uh, with telecommunications, gas, electric, uh, all the utilities. Uh, back in the 90s when we had deregulation, a lot of those, um, a lot of those different, uh, a lot of those different entities were, were taken out in the sense that, you know, we Georgia's become uh, deregulated. So, so now we're basically dealing with uh, the Public Service Commission, um, uh, telephone gas, and uh, open market competition. So this this series that we're doing now uh, on the on the Georgia Liberty Cast will deal with our statewide candidates. Uh, so of course, welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. So first, got to always ask this question first, and I'll start with you, John. Why libertarian? Obviously, it would have been easier to run as a Democrat or a Republican. Why libertarian? Uh, because I am libertarian. <laughs> it's it's pretty much that simple. Um, the secondary, so the, this party aligns with my beliefs far more than any other does. Um, the kind of secondary reason is that uh, I believe the duopoly, the two main parties, are actually a problem. They're one of the major problems in our politics, and uh, I don't want to support them um, uh, by running with them. So if you have to choose uh, you know, an opposition party, um, the biggest opposition party is the Libertarian Party, and it's also conveniently the one I want to run with. <laughs> Ryan, same for you. Uh, yeah, again, the easiest answer is uh, because I am a libertarian, so uh, that's, that's, where I, that's where I fit in the best. Um, but if you go out and you look at what uh, the Public Service Commission is today, it's been five Republicans for the past decade, and uh, they don't seem to believe in free markets or some of the things that conservatives do believe in, uh, and I don't need to associate with that. So I don't want to owe anyone anything. I'm, I'm going to run on my own as a libertarian. And uh, I, I believe uh, full-heartedly in free markets and changing uh, how the Public Service Commission works. So you are, Ryan, you're a candidate for District 3. Yes, sir. What does, now l- let me explain to people how the, the, the Public Service Commission is kind of a strange animal. You represent a district, but it's still a statewide election. That's so, right. So you are a District 3. Where is District 3? District 3 is Atlanta. It's Fulton County and DeKalb County. Um, and, and uh, yeah, like you said, it's a, the seat is actually um, it, it's less important. I actually try not to tell people the District 3 part because I'm going to be on every single ballot and John is going to be in, on every single ballot as separate choices so you can vote for both of us, every single person in Georgia. So District matters less. It just means I live in Atlanta, so that's where I qualify. Got you. And uh, how about you? What, where's, uh, where's your district? Uh, Northwest Georgia. Yeah, it's the same basic thing. It's really a, a multi-seat election. It, they just had the extra stipulation of you have to live a particular place. So, so there is a residency requirement in yeah. terms of that. But, that, but it, it's, it's sort of another weird little crony thing that I, I think Republicans have done uh, to make sure that they stay in power. I guess that when it was created, it was Democrats, but um, that a single party would have all the power as long as the state stayed blue or red or whatever, then they'd, they'd maintain power. Okay, so you mentioned the makeup, the current makeup of the PSC. 
all Republicans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All Republicans for a long time. Yep. Have there been, when, when if, you, if you can recall, when do you think that began to change over? I mean, has there ever been really any mix? Has it been controlled by one or the other pretty much exclusively? There, w- there was a short transition period. Uh, when the state was turning red, uh, the PSC was the first statewide office to fall. Um, to by fall, I mean switch to Republican from Democrat. <laughs> and it was, uh, you know, there's six-year cycles, um, and that's about how long it took, if I remember correctly. I think they missed one, um, like a Democrat won re-election, but it didn't take long at all to transition from all Democrat to all Republican. Well, and, and you have to understand that traditionally in Georgia, um, being a Republican or a Democrat, that the definition of that has changed over the years. So if, if, you, if you're looking closely, you'll realize that um, if Cagle or Kemp, either one, wins the Republican gover- gubernatorial race, they'll actually be the very first Republican governor in Georgia history that didn't start as a Democrat. Nathan Deal started as a Democrat. Sonny Perdue started as a Democrat. It's, it's Democrat and Republicans real fuzzy down here. So, so, <laughs> so really... Really, it's what we always, as libertarians, say. Doesn't really matter which uh, right. which wing of the bird you get, <laughs> you still get you still get the, the the big government that we have now. All right, so we're going to jump into some specific issues uh, that the Public Service Commission is charged with, and of course, the one we all hear about <laughs> all the time, and that's Plant Vogel. So tell us what you know about Plant Vogel. Tell us how the PSC. Uh, affects plant Vogel, you know, fire away. All right, so it's a, uh, I'll get started and you can jump, <laughs> chime in there. Right. Uh, so it's a, a large nuclear power plant in southeast Georgia. Um, two of the reactors are already online. Um, the other two were supposed to have been online a while ago, and they are scheduled uh, to happen sometime in the future, but no one expects them to keep to that schedule. Stan Weiss, uh, the previous chair of the commission, uh, on his way out while he was handing uh, the District 5 seat to Trisha P- Pridemore, um, said that he wouldn't bet his house that it's done on time and on budget. So, And, and he was the one approving it. <laughs> well, good thing he's betting other people's money, right? Yeah. So, um, so uh, one of, one of, a lot of people have uh, different issues, I find, um, with Plan Fogel. Um, I've noticed um, one group of people just opposes how, the amount of water it sucks out of the river. Um, to for the cooling and for running it. <clears throat> um, you've also seen issues with it. Well, the main issue that most people focus on is it's not economically feasible. The PSC's own staff found that, that uh, Georgia repairers would actually save money by stopping the project and just letting it sit there empty. <laughs> yeah, they don't seem to understand the, the concept of sunk costs, which is fundamental to economics and budgeting, and and they just kind of, ignore that, right? Sunk costs are, you're supposed to ignore them. They're sunk. It's a perfect example, <clears throat> example of malinvestment. Yeah. So, so what, so what are the rate payers, what are the rate payers supposed to do if we don't continue the project? And I know this is probably the Republican argument. If we don't continue the project, then what about all the money that the rate payers have, have paid in to this point? It's just lost. Again, that's sunk cost fallacy. So um, you're not really supposed to be able to consider all the money that you've already done. You're supposed to say, take a look at it from this point on and say, how much more money is it going to take and is that good for the ratepayers? And if the answer is no, which uh, I think John and I agree, the answer is no, uh, you should stop. So, yeah. so go ahead, John. <laughs> and uh, some, of the, some of what's been built can actually stay there and possibly in the future it could become economically feasible again. Um, in, in particular, you know, the electric, electricity marketplace is a, actually a little cheaper right now than it has been. And with all four reactors up, there's concern we might not be able to sell all the power. <laughs> like, like it actually would, we'd actually, ha- we couldn't crank it all the way to full production because that would cover Georgia and also selling it to other states. And there might not be enough market to sell that electricity. And, and if you hear that right, then that means that ratepayers in Georgia are actually going to be subsidizing energy for people in all the surrounding states that we sell energy to. Right. And that really gets to my, <laughs> this, this is really my <clears throat> fundamental problem with this whole thing. If some company wants to build something I think is stupid, uh, but they're putting their own money on it, or they're gathering investors who voluntarily put their money on it. I'm willing to kind of let them. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're right. It's a great idea. But here we're talking about charging 
on everyone's electric bill to to then fund first of all um georgia power makes some money directly off that because they're charging more than it's actually costing them i think they're guaranteed 10 to 12 percent profits yeah. through the life of the project and uh there's no end to that they were actually joking at the last hearings that they didn't understand what the word cap meant yeah well then they were asked if there was a, ca- a cap on the cost or a cap on the, on the deadline and they're like i don't you're throwing me with this word cap that was amazing um <laughs> No, but yeah, so it's it's not voluntary really because it's uh you the Georgia Power is monopoly power. Like I I can choose not to have electricity, I suppose. But right. the, the the net effect I don't know if you can. <laughs> that might be illegal. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, I have kids, so yeah, it would be. Yeah. Like CPS would not like that. <laughs> but uh but yeah, it really comes it's it's effectively the same as having a tax on electricity is really what it comes down to. And it's significant. Uh they say a, you know, a typical household um like like yours for example uh, is a, probably on the neighborhood of 100 bucks a year. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, and, and here's the, the real kicker is, um, you, you say it's a hundred bucks a year. Um, that's just on your bill. Um, so they're actually taxing, uh, taxing, they're charging the same fee to public schools as well, which is coming out of property taxes. Um, for Atlanta public schools, it's about a million dollars a year. That's yeah. actually going from our public school system straight to, uh, plant Vogel, um, and then for, I think it's like five counties that it affects, it's over $5 million a year that's going out of public school systems. So you're, you're getting kind of, you're getting taxed from, yeah. from Georgia power, uh, in the form of a nuclear recovery fee. And then you're also getting, uh, your property taxes are getting shifted from public schools, which come on guys, it's the schools, uh, to, to help pay for this. And then also you're getting federal aid, which is all coming from income taxes. So you're just, you're hitting up everybody multiple times to pay for this thing. And just in case you were worried about the biggest industries, industrial <laughs> consumers of electricity, some of them actually have waivers. Some of them actually don't have to pay. Oh yeah. So the, so the cronyism is even deeper than it's pretty deep. It's really <laughs> it's, bad. It's pretty bad. It's, it's absurd, really. I don't know why we're not like revolting in the streets. It doesn't make sense. They're charging nonprofits <laughs> and churches this fee, and public schools and private schools, mm-hmm. but also that Georgia Power can build up their business to charge you more for it in the future. Wow. Yeah. That's that's so. So, how does the Public Service Commission, as a body, affect? How does it? How does it affect energy policy in Georgia, or does it? Does it have any effect at all in terms of, you know, directional? So as far as investor-owned uh, energy companies go, they set the entire um, – they, they set the, the schedule of, like, how energy is to be created and, like, uh, what Georgia Power buys, essentially. Uh, what's the word for that? Uh, the energy mix? Is yeah, the energy mix. Yeah, they, they actually set the energy mix. So they say you got to buy – uh, 20% solar, you got to buy 30% natural gas, you got to buy this percent coal. Um, and so they completely set that. That is unilateral, Those the, the Public Service Commission. And, the, and they also get to approve or disapprove of rate increases. Right. They, they, so they're telling the company how much you can charge and what you have to sell. Wow. So that's it. So that's it. So, so John, I know you and I had talked. Tell me one of your favorite terms is renewable energy, green energy. <laughs> so, so talk about that. Well, renewable energy, um, is, it's funny because a lot of people just think that means environmentally friendly energy. They think of solar and wind, which are considered renewable, but so is burning wood and burning trash because you can get more trash. So therefore it's renewable. <laughs> Right. It doesn't actually matter what the environmental impact is. It doesn't matter if it's cost effective. It doesn't matter if it's harming the the, uh, atmosphere uh, with with emissions. Uh, It just matters that you can produce more fuel in a particular time frame. If you expanded the time frame far enough, you would say, well, well, you know, oil is also renewable because... You just need some dinosaurs to die a couple million years ago and uh, <laughs> them just to sit underground for a while. Or, and... or just hang out for a couple million years. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's a little silly. And it, it doesn't include things like nuclear power, even though... So nuclear power in a lot of ways is cleaner than a lot of the things that do cause renewable. So uh, this came up when I was looking at some of the... There's some municipal uh, energy providers that offer people this choice of like... You can um, have, I think it's like 30% of your bill come from, new, from renewable sources and you pay a little bit more. But the renewable source is burning trash, which is <laughs> like it's not an efficient way to make energy. There's high emissions. Uh, it's not a particularly environmentally friendly. It's not cost effective particularly. 
So in, in almost every respect, it's worse than some of the other choices, some of the non-renewable choices. Wow. So again... Um, I mean, that, and that kind of leads into um, why the number one plank, and, and they don't, we don't actually have the power to do this, but I want to use it as a bully pulpit to get this done, is deregulation. Because I want, I want the costs to reflect what the people of Georgia actually want. So if you look at other states that have uh, deregulated electricity, you can go up to, like, Connecticut and, well, I mean, shoot, you can go to Georgia and you can go to, uh, um, what's his name, the, the guy on WSB who... Clark Howard. Clark Howard, that's it. You can go to clarkhoward.com, and when you want gas... He tells you exactly which gas company you should buy from because they have the cheapest per therm and uh, they're the best customer service and here's this stuff you should think about. Here's a nice table. And you can go to Connecticut. Uh, if you lived in Connecticut, you can do the same thing. They have some version of Clark Howard up there. And they say, okay, what, do you, what kind of energy do you want? you want all solar? You can buy all solar. You're going to pay a little bit more, but you can even shop around for all solar. Uh, if you're concerned about just cheap, you can go to the cheapest one. You can go to natural gas. Um, you can choose kind of where you want to get your power from, and I, I think that's all important. Yeah, that's uh, that, that gets that, that's what I consider what I call electric choice, where you get to choose wh- where who your electricity is coming from. Maybe you have some insight into how it was made or or how the billing's done. Um, there is when I checked, I think there was uh, twenty five states. Is that right? That have some form of electric choice. Mm-hmm. Um, now it it varies on what that means. But there's, uh, there's a number of sites you can go to and you can fill out some criteria and do a search and you see – it's like shopping for flights is what it looks like. And so they're saying these five companies have these plans that fit your criteria. Mm-hmm. And, um, you, know, it, you know, nothing's ever perfect, but it's a lot better than having one choice. Right. So, so you're saying that an entity like Georgia Power, which is – and I know they're EMCs and maybe you can explain the difference for people who are who – are, you know, on Georgia Power, I, I am, I'm on an EMC. I'm on an electric membership corporation. Nice. But all of all of the gas market is deregulated. There are numerous, you know, players here. That's not true. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. So, <laughs> so, so, the, so my question is, is it really deregulated? Yeah, so um, it is for anyone that was on Atlanta Gas and Light when they passed the, the law. So Atlanta Gas and Light uh, is the one who... Uh, if you were on their gas lines, it got deregulated. Everything still goes through their pipelines, which uh, coincidentally it, or not uh, is now Georgia Power or Southern Company actually owns all those pipes now too. Um, so they, they basically own all that infrastructure. Um, but no, it's it's not deregulated across the state. Uh, you still do get some choice on like what uh, companies you want to you know read your meter and service your house and all that. But um, and and yeah, you should shop around for that kind of thing. Um, I was actually doing a little research uh, into other parts of the state who are not deregulated, um, and one thing, one place popped up in particular, and that was uh, Fort Gaines, Georgia, which has actually been in the news for the last couple of years for how poor they are. Actually, um, they're one of these towns in Georgia that have, you know, was booming because of the way industry was working, and then they've kind of started dying off a little bit um, as as people have moved and things have changed in Georgia. Um, but they basically approved, their city council approved a sale to a private company for gas. They were running it as a, as a city. There was a municipal-owned uh, gas company. They approved a sale. Uh, and when a couple of their uh, city councilmen who, who voted for it were asked in a town hall, one guy didn't even know he had voted for it. Um, and what this new company is doing is they're going in and they are decreasing the rates, but they're increasing the fee structure. So their flat fee structure is going up. So what's happening to people in Fort Gaines is they're no longer allowed to say, like, I want to use less gas. My, bill, my bill's too high, so I want to use less gas. That's going to affect them minimally. They could use zero gas, and they're still going to get a bill because it's all flat fees. Um, and that hits the poorest people the worst, which is Fort Gaines. They're well-known. Uh, they've been in national news as being a very uh, poor city. So... It, it is it's regressive, uh, which is what you're getting at. It's also disincentivizes conservation. Uh, you know, I, I right. believe that we should all take personal responsibility in trying to make wise use of our resources. 
And this is kind of pushing you in the opposite direction because, like, you might as well live high on the hog if if you're paying the same amount anyway. Well, not That's exactly right. the same, but you get my point. But you try to you try to use a little less electricity, you try to use a little less gas, you get your bill. It's the same thing. You're like, well, why do I care then? You know, and I'm gonna leave my lights on because it doesn't actually matter. It doesn't hit my pocketbook. Right. Right. Wallet. So I shouldn't say pocketbook. I don't carry a pocketbook, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so Georgia is, and I don't know that Georgia is necessarily unique in the sense that we have, you know, urban areas, specifically Atlanta and, and then some other urban areas, but we have a vast part of the state where there, you know, there, there just aren't as many people. We're the largest state east of the Mississippi. And, so. and, right. And so <laughs> how does the PSC or does the PSC help balance the urban-rural, uh, you know, divide in that sense? Not particularly well. They have some pretty deep intervention. Um, you know, there, there was a program for pushing natural gas deeper in suburban Atlanta that, uh, that Ms. Primore was bragging about, uh, during her primary debate. And, you know, it, it's that, even that program, which sounds like a good idea, right. To, to build out the infrastructure and make it available to more people. even that program is not cost effective. Like, and, and it is happening only in areas where they feel like they need to pick up some votes. It doesn't happen, or they need to make some you know, utility company happy. Uh, it doesn't usually happen out in places where it's hardest to get to. Uh, there's also, uh, along the balance lines, that was the intent the legislature passed, the, um, the regulated natural gas provider, um, which is that's the term for it, but what we're talking about is a, is a massive subsidy. Um, between ten to twenty million dollars at the discretion of the PSC, the legislature set those benchmarks of ten to twenty, um, and that, that was supposed to uh, you're supposed to incentivize a natural gas provider uh, to to provide a discounted rate to pla- places that uh, might not get service otherwise, and the rates they charge are actually about average. They're uh, you know they've been a little bit below average, but uh, right around average, and I don't think that. Uh, that really justifies the amount of mo- tax money in this case that we're throwing at the company, um, and that was that was Scana. But uh, since I imagine it's going to change names next time. <laughs> I- interesting thing about that: um, when they do uh, uh, the 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 bidding and see which company is going to get this contract, um, you know, and I saw a private uh, estimate that the contract was actually worth uh, something like eleven million dollars a year, uh, which implies that much of a profit, right? Um, no, there's only ever been one company that bid for it. So it's been a, it's, it's just, just been a single, it was a single bid. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a handover. Southern? Uh, well, well Skena. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and they, and they, uh, just coincidentally happened to, uh, lobby the PSC pretty heavily. Uh, they, the number one lobbyist was being, uh, an employee of Skena, um, for a long time. He, I believe he was also the treasurer for a couple of PSC candidates, campaign treasurer. Yep. Um, so One so, of those was wise, so I can't say two anymore. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Right. He's, he stands gone. So, so tell us, and both of you may or may not know, t- tell me about how close the lobbyists and the, the, the Georgia Power and, and all the people are that donate directly to <laughs> I mean, we might as well just say it. I mean, I mean it's not bribe. It, well, I mean, <laughs> it's not I mean, legally I mean, a bribe. Well, That's true. right. I mean, but I mean, you know, look, as libertarians, we we've just made a pledge not to take those things. We're we're just not going to take right. money from. I mean, no libertarian candidate that I know of is just going to take money from someone. Well, yeah. they probably Especially don't. In this want, they probably don't want to give it to us anyway. Well, no, we're not giving them any handouts. <laughs> right. so. but, I mean, but I mean, we're in this situation, them, I mean, let, let, let's just lay it on the table. Yeah. Who's who's donating to all the Republicans that are on the? So so I, I mean I can speak to Chuck if you want to talk to sure. Patricia. Um, so Chuck Eaton, uh, AJC actually just recently came out with an article um, that has Chuck Eaton seventy five percent of his campaign contributions, his reported campaign contributions up to now, um, have been from people uh, related to regulated entities. So Southern Company, uh, Georgia Power uh, was. 63% of that 75% or something. Um, so 
a huge chunk of the money that he's raised is coming directly from regulated and uh, regulated entities. So people that will come before him and ask for <clears throat> money from the public. That's right. It, so it, so it. it's technically illegal to have like Georgia Power can't go and cut a check for Chuck Eaton. The, the, that is technically illegal. But what you'll find is the checks are coming from. Uh, lawyers who represent Georgia Power. So the money's getting siphoned from Georgia Power through the lawyers, then into Chuck's campaign. Mm-hmm. Siphoned is such a... That's... You know, siphon has uh, ha- has ugly connotations. Is that... You're going to stick with siphoned? Sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. All right. So uh, what you were saying that uh, I did, I have publicly stated I don't intend to take any, uh, or I'm not going to take any money from the utility companies specifically, any of the regulated entities. Um, I just wanted to throw in there out of, and in spirit of fairness, uh, Don Randolph has made the same pledge, uh, my Democratic uh, opponent. Uh, My Republican opponent, uh, Ms. Uh, Trisha Pridemore, has taken (coughs) up to this point, uh, I believe it's about a quarter million dollars. Uh, and the majority of it is from um, some entities related to the utility companies, mm-hmm. not the utility companies themselves. Uh, Ryan was putting out lawyers. Uh, that's a good way to do it. Another way they do it is through the executives of the companies. The executives get a bonus, and they use some of the bonus um, donating to, to campaigns. And the executive's wife and the executive's kid. Yes. <laughs> so, so, we'll, so we'll talk about, we'll talk about how, and, you know, this is not... This is politics. So we'll talk about how Trisha Pridemore actually got on the PSC. <laughs> Stan Wise, who was the previous position holder, mm-hmm. right before uh, qualifying, decided he was going to retire, resign, well, leave. Okay, well, th- actually, this wasn't a surprise because Stan Wise said he wasn't going to run again. And uh, as I read, um, the governor requested that he retire early rather than finish out his term. Mm-hmm. And um, and Wise agreed but said he had some finished business to finish up first. So he had to finish up some business before he would retire. And then they moved the Plant Vogel hearing <laughs> to December. <laughs> from, it was going to be February of this this year. I think they moved it to December of last year. Yeah. Right. So right. we know what business he finished up. But, Precisely. But, right. but, but I, but I want what I'm emphasizing here is the fact that that seat could have been left empty. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to be filled. The the Republicans specifically uh, retired in enough time so someone could be appointed so that person can get the benefit of being an incumbent, yes. mm-hmm. which what... we all know, as statistics show, incumbency is probably your greatest uh, advantage Absolutely. when you're in public office. Yeah. I think I think congressionally it's over 96%. Mm-hmm. Of congressional Republicans are returned. You know those guys that have an eleven percent uh, <laughs> approval rating. Uh, yeah, approval rating. They still get returned ninety six percent of the time. Well, nobody likes Congress, but everybody likes their guy. That's the problem, right? I, I, don't, I don't particularly <laughs> right. like my right. guy. But, but, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, I think it's important that we talk about it because see, this this goes hand in hand with what the libertarians mm-hmm. are trying to break. So, so uh, in Congress, is actually uh, the the reasons why incumbency is so important is is manyfold. Um, but in the PSC, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that incumbent appears on the ballot next to your name. Mm-hmm. There are a very large number of voters who pay no, zero attention, don't know what a PSC is, right. go in there and they say, well, I see the name of my party and so I vote for that. But in the, in the primary, everyone's got the same party. So they look for something else. And then in the word incumbent, they're like, oh, well – they won before they can win again. Of course, in this case, she has never won any election. Right. Uh, but she still gets the word incumbent. People make assumptions. They assume she's a winner, and therefore that will be a good one to send to the, to the general. Um, right. And, 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 and I wanted to emphasize that because she, she will have been in that office less than a year Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time the election comes around, and handpicked we, by the governor, handpicked by the governor. That's correct. Not so, by the people, right, by the governor. Right, and I, and 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 that you know that that go. We we need to emphasize that because of the re, that seat could have been left empty. It absolutely. I mean, Stan Wise could have retired and left it empty. He could have just served out the rest of his term. Correct. Either way, but so. I'm saying you know that was um, that that goes back to what we've talk we talk about as libertarians how the two party system stacks the deck. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the ways that they use their power. Yep. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll get off of that now. <laughs> and I, I want to talk about uh, broadband over power lines. And the reason I, I bring this up is because, you know, it's a big push for rural 
rural broadband. That's a big deal. You know, outside, once you start getting outside the urban areas, uh, you know, you, you, you begin to see that there, there's not only is there little choice, in some cases there's no choice, or if you're lucky, a choice. Uh, and so what, what, what's the future look like for that? Well, well, just to add to that, um, I'm not, I, where I live is in no way rural. It's suburban. I only right. have one choice. I can have broadband or I can have not broadband. <laughs> I can have dial-up if I like. That's my other choice. So even, so even <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be rural. So. Yeah. Um, so I am always very wary of, of government intervention and, um, and, and infrastructure, especially uh, computer networking. They have a terrible track record. Um, you'll see that there is European places where that actually have better throughput than we do getting to servers that are in the United States in many cases. <laughs> uh, they could actually get more data back and forth, uh, even though they're on a different continent. <clears throat> um, and, and that's even comparing us to, uh, in many cases, government-run ISPs in many cases. Like, we should be able to beat that, no, hands down, right? So I'm, 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 I always come up with a, this immediate suspicion. What I've seen from the broadband over power lines, um, you know... I don't. I, I'm, I want to be very careful about the, prop, the proposition. If it happened without any tax but money, without any special fees or, or putting it on the ratepayers at all, if they wanted to put their own private money up to do it, and it did not happen at the exclusion of any other technologies, they're just saying, "Hey, we'd like to put our own money up to provide you an option you can choose to pay for." I would actually be okay with that. Yeah, I'm extremely suspicious of Georgia Power, but if they're not getting in anyone's way, they're not hurting anyone, they're not taking anyone's money against That's their right. will. And they're not stopping you from getting a different service, then I'm actually okay with it. Excellent. So you, you touched a little bit on the broadband in rural areas. Um, John and I were, were asked this at a uh, candidate forum put on by Southeast Green um, about a month ago. Um, and, and my answer then was that we need to be taking a look at what restrictions exist in Georgia law that are stopping people from going out there mm-hmm. and providing because if there's people out there that have there's if there's demand then why wouldn't there be a supplier there um and you have philanthropists uh providing net wireless connections in you know remote places in africa and india where it's really hard to get the infrastructure in place but they're doing a, a wireless situation um what exists here that's stopping them from doing that i want to tear down those barriers or at least fight to tear down those barriers, uh, so that you know people can go in and and supply something that's in demand. And, and there are plenty of barriers and and multiple levels of regulation that apply to broadband service, almost all, almost entirely outside of the PSC. But why would we want to add another level? Why why <laughs> would we want this to, uh, this broadband to also fall under the PSC? Yeah, uh, the PSC has. You know, a terrible track record. They have not done well with the power they have. Let's not give them more. Right. I would e- love to get elected and then abdicate as yeah. much power as I can back to the people. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and, that, and that segues into my next question. So what what changes would having, God forbid, a libertarian on the mm-hmm. PSC, but we could have two, <laughs> what changes uh, would you see for Georgians with libertarians uh in the decision-making process. Yeah, no, I think that um, having somebody in the office, um, one that's in opposition, right? Right now it's just it's five best friends up there um, glad-handing each other and, and making sure that they're passing everything that George Power wants. But having a, a voice well, of opposition is all important. Yeah, Bobbleheads. Yeah, yeah, yeah Five exactly. more bobbleheads, yep. Yeah, the rubber stampers, right? So um, <clears throat> I think having a voice of opposition is all important. Um, but also I, I think that, um, the voice of Georgians, typically what I hear from people is that they believe in free markets. They believe in, uh, the government not intervening in their lives. Um, and so I think having a voice for those values that Georgians typically hold, um, will obviously will benefit the Georgians that hold those values. So, um, and, and the libertarian party is actually putting putting up candidates who hold those values as well, whereas the Republican Party is not putting up those candidates. So so the Republicans are, they're, they're still putting up the same candidates to do the same things? That's that right. Done. They are not looking out for the people of Georgia. They do not believe in free markets. They do not believe that Georgians are capable of making decisions for themselves. I want to empower Georgians to power themselves. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, 
So uh, changes in the decision-making process, one of the most noticeable changes, um, well, if you're someone who actually pays attention to the PSC, <laughs> a, a lot of people wouldn't notice this. But So every once in a while, they'll, they'll put out uh, audio recordings of, of their meetings. They don't do all of them. Uh, if you listen to the, some of them, they're typically extremely boring. Um, there will be some staff member that says, um, this docket number, um, it's this company planning to do that seriously a matter of seconds and then they say the staff recommends we vote yes and uh one of the one of the telecommunication uh meetings for example i listened to the entire thing and there was no discussion at any point they didn't even take voice votes and they just passed everything unanimously well stan weiss actually during the plant vogel hearings was quoted as saying that they only hold hold the meetings as a courtesy to the public yeah Right, so, so so transparency isn't even up there he on doesn't, there. Yeah. Doesn't no that, care they, about the, the public. But, but what happens when you put a libertarian on the commission? So they'll get outvoted. You know, they're, if, if yeah, we're only we're two votes out yeah, of five. Yeah, so. exactly. So even if you think that oh, libertarian is somehow scary, just remember the Republicans will still, at least for the next couple of years, until there's another... Two more years. Yeah, two more years <laughs> until the next election. But um, in the meantime, what you know, those, each commissioner gets a chance to ask questions and make comments on every single issue. And that's what I want to do. I want to dig. Um, too many of these things, they're not even really thinking about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an issue that came up with um, uh, payphones in, in prison. And so they were, they were um, allowing... The phone company to take a larger share of the money from a payphone as opposed to the payphone operator, and nobody even they they even said on mic that they hadn't even thought about the impact on prisons, which is it's not how we should be funding prisons. But they voted. They said they had not considered it and then voted. They they were about to vote, but someone from the the Department of Corrections came in and pleaded her case like very emotionally, very severely, mm-hmm. and they eventually agreed to table it. Uh, they, they didn't even say they didn't even say well we're going to vote no and and let the prisons keep this money as opposed to the phone company. They just said we'll come back to it in, in a month or two. And so so that there was no. That, um, but but my fa- <laughs> my favorite part about that example is like sta- nobody looked into this. Like, where are the payphones that are making the most money? You know, uh, what? Wh- who are the actual operators, and and how much money are we talking? And it's a sizable chunk of what funds our prison system. I I think that's unfortunate, especially for someone who's unjustly con- you know and convicted of something that you shouldn't be sent to prison for, and then you charge their family to to pay for their imprisonment. Um, but nonetheless, the PSC doesn't get to change the state budget. The, the legislature has to do that. It's a very complex issue, but in any case, you definitely should have researched it <laughs> and discussed it instead of just assuming that, okay, of course, they're going to unanimously pass this too because someone said so. Right. So, so let's shift gears a little bit now and talk specifically about the campaign itself. Because, mm-hmm. you know, running for statewide office is it's big and scary and... Fun. Uh, it's fun and <laughs> right, all, <laughs> all of those things. So, t- tell us all some exciting things that have happened. Uh, you know, just anything that is related specifically to the can uh, to, to the campaign, and you know, talk to the voters right now. Um, uh, so, specifically uh, with my campaign, in the last week, I've gotten a couple of uh, endorsements that I, I I think are very important. Um, Former Governor Bill Weld of, of Massachusetts, he actually uh, endorsed me uh, basically to stop the rubber stampers in the Public Service Commission. He, he has full faith that I'm, I'll be able to do that. Um, he ran as the vice president for the Libertarian Party in 2016. Um, so I'm, I'm very proud of that. And then John and I both got uh, Debbie Dooley's uh, endorsement last week. Uh, she is the, she's the chairman of the Atlanta Tea Party a founder of the Green Tea Coalition, which is uh, a coalition between the Tea Party and the Sierra Club, which is weird. That's strange. <laughs> um, and then conservatives for uh, uh, clean energy, I think is what it's called. Uh, but she's, she's super into clean energy. Um, but she's also a leader in the Tea Party movement, which to me uh, is, is, is an indicator of what I was, just what I was telling you, is that conservatives in Georgia believe in these free market things and Republicans are not, are not matching the ideas. Mm-hmm. 
I think a famous line is, I have to violate the free market to save the free market. <laughs> or, <laughs> or it made yeah. me feel a little dirty. <laughs> free, free market competition for those who have not donated to my campaign. Yeah, I, I actually think uh, cons- conservatives that want to preserve, um, you know, to conserve the environment, to conserve our resources, makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, this isn't really a partisan issue. It's not really even all that much of an ideological issue necessarily, uh, because we all have to live here, and and we, um, a lot of us care about uh, future generations. The vast majority of us do. <laughs> um, so yeah, that um, I'm glad to see a lot of agreement there, and. But I think libertarians and conservatives can agree as well, particularly on matters of environment, that it has to be an issue of personal responsibility, that it's up to us. You can't trust – It's too. the environment is too important to trust the government with it. Yes. That's, yeah. what, that's really what it comes down to. <laughs> it's just too important. Uh, we only – this is the only place we got. So let's, let's, not, uh, let's not make it a, a hellscape. You know. So I think we can move a lot faster with free markets because I think that mm-hmm. it's important to a lot of Georgians uh, that they that they're out there and getting using to use the word you hate renewables or green <laughs> energy right like solar energy is super popular right now mm-hmm. and um, I think that there, there's barriers in place right now that stop people from putting solar on their own house um, and most of that is to protect Georgia Power. Um, we need to tear those barriers down. We need to let people produce their own energy, whether they're selling it back to the grid or not. I happen to believe that they should be able to, um, and there should be multiple buyers competing for your energy. Um, but I think that a lot of Georgians want that. And if you even have 25% of Georgians who want solar energy, and if you give them the choice, as soon as they purchase it, that change is made. You're not waiting on a vote from every year or every couple of years where we set the, the electric mix. That, that person that day got to make, uh, got to say, we're going to be green in Georgia, and they got to make, move us in that direction. And there's not a lot of back channels where you can weasel your way out of it. Someone put their money where their mouth is, and, and the businesses can either let that money just sit on the table or they can do what they need to do. That's right. Um, yeah, I think some people... Um, in particular on the left, worry about the free market. Um, and when we talk about capitalism, ooh, it's scary. Uh, and how it, could, uh, how it could harm the environment. And people just think about, oh, they just want to make money. They'll do whatever they have to do to make money. The free market is us. It's our preferences. I feel like they forget they are yes. consumers. Consumers and, <laughs> and workers, and they can be entrepreneurs if they like. Uh, the free market is decisions that we all make collectively. Uh, as a consumer, you can put your money where you believe it, it should belongs. As a, as a philanthropist, you can do that. Um, you can also go start your own outfit if you want and start doing – or you should be able to. I understand mm-hmm. right now it's yeah. extremely hard because of all this government oversight. Um, it's, it's the action of all Georgians together uh, or separately, you know, the aggregate of each individual Georgian's mm-hmm. choices. That is what the market is. And if you just go around and talk to the people you know, talk to your neighbors – People care about the environment. It will be protected because we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think um, you know, the funny thing that I don't think people realize is the number one polluter in our state is the government. It's the yeah, government. It's the state yeah. of Georgia. They absolutely, yeah. yep. in the state of Georgia, the, the number one polluter is the government itself. And, you know, that never, that never comes up. And I, and I agree with you, John. I think people do care. Uh, you know, the evil capitalist Republicans care just as much as, uh, you know, the quote unquote bleeding heart liberals, uh, about, I mean, we all have to live here. I don't don't think there's anyone who doesn't want clean air and clean water in a place where you have to live. That's right. I I don't, I don't, I don't even think that's a reasonable argument. So I guess this is the part where the crazy libertarians say we should just do away with the PSC altogether. Right. So does a PSC serve any function beyond what you see it now. Now, obviously, it's it's set up by the legislature, mm-hmm. so yeah, right. so it so it's going to be here until the legislature. But but how do other states handle this without public service commissions? I think they all have public service commissions. Uh, um, I know that many states have. Pro- I haven't I haven't researched to see if all of them do, but I know that many do. They call it other things. So there's right. a public utility commission. The in Texas, it's the railroad commission yeah. or something. They never, they they never changed, changed the, uh, they they changed know, the they, railroad commission yeah, like yeah. Georgia did. Yeah, exactly. Right. So um, I, I, so there's I'm, always a rate. There's always a. Uh, a rate setting or so, a rate payer board that... So there was this economic idea 
um, back in the day where people assumed that things like public utilities were a natural monopoly. Um, in my mind, that's because they didn't have the imaginations required to come up with innovations that would, would make it not a monopoly. Um, but that's not a reason to create a monopoly artificially, which is what we've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the PSC does is they carve out regions and they assign them to people. So even if the EMCs, they're not technically regulating them, they have assigned them a region and they could technically unassign that region. And, and, so. and, and, and they deal with the disputes on the borders. Right, exactly. There, there was an issue with that, I want to say in January, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a school that was on uh, a municipal uh, energy and they built a gymnasium. But the gymnasium was separated from the school by several hundred yards. And it was a separate building with a separate hookup. And when large industrial... This is something I like to bring up. Electric choice does exist in in Georgia if you are a large consumer, if you're a large industrial consumer of electricity. You can choose which provider you want once, and then you can only get out of that if they agree to it. (laughs) So there's very limited choice. Okay. I think we want customers to be able to do on the fly month to month. Anyway. um, Maybe year to year. That's fine. Whatever your contract says. (laughs) Yeah, whatever whatever you agree to. Sure, sure. Um, So they wanted the gymnasium to be on the same municipal energy as the school. And um, the other energy company got uh, the PSC to say no, no, your 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 gymnasium moved far enough over. Um, I actually got that backward. I'm sorry. The PS the school was on Georgia Power, I believe, mm. and the gymnasium they wanted to put it on on municipal energy, um, and they said it was within the district. And they're like, but see, it's a school gymnasium, and your school isn't outside of their jurisdiction. So we, if we count it as one facility, even though it's two hookups and two different bills, well, if we count it as one facility, then we can force you to stay with them and put the gym also on their power. And um, they did. They did. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I think the idea is, uh, realistically, you can't just you know say no PSC tomorrow because we have created this monster of of uh, artificial monopolies that I don't believe would be there uh, if if we didn't. Uh, incentivize it if we didn't create this bulwark. Um, And so I think the job of a libertarian in that office is to tear down those walls and... and Unwind. Unwind it to the point where you can disband it, but that'll be beyond our lifetimes, I think. (laughs) Certainly beyond six years. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. um, To to, to be fair, I think it's important to see the distinction between something... um, You know, if you look at things that are not regulated, utilities that are not regulated at all by the PSC... It's not some Wild West, insane, chaotic anarchy, right? I mean, talking about cable internet, PSC has no say in the matter. And I still only have one choice. <laughs> right. like, like, it's not, you know, the PSC is just this extra level that we just don't need. Well, that, and, and, and again, your one choice for cable and internet is another different entity of government that yes. set that deal up. True, true. So, so but how many levels of bureaucracy do we need? Exactly. That's true. And, and, that, and that, I think that's your point. Um, let's, let's wrap up with, uh, anything you want to say to the voters. I mean, you guys are in a unique position in the sense that you're, you're for sure on the ballot, uh, mm-hmm. that that's thanks to the hard work of the libertarians who came before us that mm-hmm. got us yep. statewide ballot access. So we appreciate that. So you two will for sure be on the ballot in uh, November. So take, take one final comment and talk directly to the voters and tell them all about yourself. Go ahead, John. Okay. So a, a couple of important things to remember. Um, first, you don't have to vote for me or Ryan. You have the choice of voting for me and Ryan. That's, for <laughs> me, that's an important choice to, to have. And, on and the you table. should. Yeah, yeah, you probably should. <laughs> um, another thing to remember, a lot of people will try to talk about uh, the spoiler effect in vote splitting. Um, as much as I find that gross, that you shouldn't blame candidates and parties and, and an alternative voice for having a bad voting system. Actually, in this case, it doesn't even apply. It's not mathematically possible to have a spoiler effect when you have a runoff system with three people. Uh, so, so cast it out the window. Vote for who you believe will do the best, will have the best influence on the PSC, uh, regardless of what you know other circumstances are. Who do you think is best for the job? And I propose that right now the PSC is all about big government cronyism and bringing a libertarian like me or Ryan, preferably both, <laughs> to the PSC will help to bring balance. Um, and so that the, you know, right now the utilities ha- are represented by five out of five. 
If they were represented by three out of five, their interests are still handled. We don't have to worry about them. But it'll help to bring some balance to allow the rest of Georgia to have a voice and a say on what happens on the PSC. Thank you, John. Ryan? Yeah, I just want to say that, um, you know, there's 10.5 million people in, uh, in Georgia, and there are only five public service commissioners, and I don't think five people should be allowed to make decisions for Georgians um, that, that affect their everyday life. I think that um, they've proven it over and over and over again that the only people who will look out for you are, are, are you and your community and your loved ones. Uh, they have no incentive to actually look out for you. So um, that's why I keep on saying I want to empower those 10.5 million Georgians to, to power themselves. So Excellent. Yep. Thank you, gentlemen, both for being here. Um, if you want to find out any information about uh, Ryan or John's campaign, it is lpgeorgia.com slash about slash candidates. That will include all of their touch points, Facebook, Twitter, wherever they are. That'll also give you a chance to look at all of our other wonderful candidates who are out working hard. Right now, tonight, Mm -hmm. we have people who are out (laughs) getting signatures, trying to make it on the ballot. So, you know, show these guys some love. I'd like to thank you both for being here. Again, this will be, we'll have other candidates on uh, as they make the ballot, and we'll I did have, have a, I did have yes, one more thing. Sure, go ahead. Please donate. <laughs> we need support. Like we said, we're not taking any money from any of the utilities, right. and um, they are receiving uh, a lot of money from those utilities. Uh, like I said, seventy-five percent of Chuck Eaton's have been from them. So uh, that means we need a lot of five-dollar donations from yeah. each and every one of you guys. Yeah, yeah. I'm running against someone with uh, <laughs> serious about about four orders of magnitude more money on the campaign. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. always an important. That's, that's always you know it, it. That's always important to remember with any libertarian campaign. As a general rule, libertarians just don't take money from big business, especially big business that you know, we'd have a direct hand in regulating. Mm -hmm. That I I don't I don't know how that how anyone can't see how that is just conflict what's the word you like? Gross. It's gross. (laughs) It's just gross. So Uh, gram four, the number four, GA dot com and then click the donate button. John? Uh, Turpish.vote, same thing. Um, and the uh, lpgeorgia.com slash about slash candidates has links to both of those in case yep. you can't spell Turpish. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Remember, to go and, uh, remember to go and see these gentlemen's page. I'd like to thank everybody again. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, John. Thank you. Of thank course, you. we want to thank our producer extraordinaire, uh, Matt Franklin. Thank you, most Matt. Most unique. Most uniquest. I have to add the EST in there at the end. Mostest. Mostest. That's right. (laughs) Thanks again, everybody. And until next time. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. The theme song for this episode was Metaltania by Kevin McLeod, released to the public domain through freepd.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate us and leave a review. You can email the show's producers at podcast at lpgeorgia.com. If you're a libertarian in the state of Georgia, don't forget to find your local affiliate at lpgeorgia.com.